how to understand today's China. In the past month, I had in-depth conversations with friends at home and abroad. In general, no matter where they are, everyone's mood is relatively low. This is a common social sentiment at present, and there is no need to deny it. In the past few years, public opinion has generally been quite excited, but the various problems exposed during the handling of the epidemic in some areas have made people start to reflect on deeper problems. Accompanying the shift in social sentiment is the resurgence of voices of doubt and denial. Can propaganda change these sentiments? It is estimated that it is not very useful. Each of us is living in this era and is a tiny individual in the torrent of the times. I would like to share my views, which are all my own, and are divided into four parts, goals and expectations, reform and austerity, the rule of law and participation, choice in the future. 1. Goals and Expectations Setting social development goals is a characteristic of late developing countries, because late developing countries lag behind the first developing countries in terms of economic and social development indicators, so continuous benchmarking is the usual choice from officials to local companies. These general benchmarks will produce a social psychology of habitual benchmarking, which will in turn affect people's understanding and judgment of reality. From the perspective of the starting time of development, the size of the country, and resource endowment, Mainland China should be directly compared with latecomer countries such as India and Brazil. But what we see today is that people in mainland China do not compare themselves with India and Brazil, but prefer to compare with developed countries in Europe, America, and Asia. This will inevitably lead to many psychological gaps. Mainland China's reform and opening up is a continuation of the East Asian model. That is, the reform and opening up since the 1980s has adopted a relatively authoritarian system in which the political elites decide the social and economic conditions, just like the initial choices of latecomer countries such as Japan, South Korea, and Singapore. The direction of economic development, to promote the development of the country in accordance with the roadmap of industrialization, globalization and urbanization. Under the basic consensus between the government and the people that priority should be given to economic development, non-economic issues usually adopt a non-argument attitude, or an attitude of solving problems during development. This is based on a judgment that most social problems in the early stages of development can be resolved be resolved in the process of economic development. The above-mentioned choice of path avoids various problems brought about by democracy first in many late developing countries. We often refer to a phenomenon that among late developing countries, only the East Asian model has succeeded in catching up, regardless of whether it is Southeast Asia, South Asia or South America. Although the political system imitated Europe and the United States very early, and the start of development was more than 30 years earlier than that of mainland China, they eventually formed serious crony capitalism and fell into the trap of the middle class. The internal gap between the rich and the poor is extremely wide, and social ills abound. This is also the fundamental reason why people in mainland China will no longer choose to benchmark these late developing countries. The East Asian model first brought great economic success, the people on the whole became richer, and the country's strength increased significantly. Today, China's first-tier and some second-tier cities are as wealthy as developed countries. Among the large cities with a population of more than 10 million, there is no case of slums like many large cities in late developing countries. The infrastructure, roads, railways, water, electricity, and communication networks, of towns and villages even far exceeds that of many developed countries. These great achievements in economic development have greatly improved the self-confidence of the people especially after suffering the historical humiliation a hundred years ago, both the elite and the general public have a very strong sense of identity with the prosperity of the people and the strength of the country. 
After the economic and social development has left behind other late developing countries, it is natural to position the target of benchmarking in developed countries in Europe and America. However, a direct consequence of the rapid economic and social development is the marked increase in people's awareness of rights. The demands of the people are increasing, and the requirements for social development are getting higher and higher. After the Lewis turning point, the increase in labor costs caused by aging is an inevitable result. In order not to lose in the global competition, the rule of law, the continuous improvement of the level of education and medical care are unavoidable choices. The progress of the rule of law, the popularization of higher education, and a global perspective will inevitably make people pay more and more attention to the equality of economic development opportunities and other social demands outside the economy, rather than just being satisfied with economic food and clothing or a well-off life. The economic development of first-tier cities has entered a developed stage, with a large number of global talents, and a large-scale excess of academic qualifications and overflow. Unlike a large number of overseas students who chose to stay abroad at the beginning of the reform and opening up, or a large number of local talents who preferred to immigrate 20 years ago, in the past 10 years or so, as mainland China has moved from low-end industries to high-end industries, the living standards of big cities have been comparable. There are more and more opportunities for national and local industrial development and high-quality employment opportunities, resulting in the large-scale return of overseas talents. The return of these mid-to-high-end talents is a rational choice made by individuals based on a comprehensive comparison of domestic and overseas development differences. It is obvious that emerging high-end talents are extremely important to China's future development, whether returned from overseas or cultivated locally. They all have a good global vision, and of course there are enough choices. This also means that it is natural for them to benchmark the best developed countries. On the other hand, residents of small and medium-sized cities and towns began to have a relatively strong sense of national pride starting from the improvement of their own living environment. In the context of the great power game, national sentiment is fermenting on the internet. This kind of fermentation has more material basis than China can say no in the 1990s. The higher the level of economic development, the higher the expectations for social progress. Today, the expectations of the Chinese people are no longer to benchmark against other developing countries, or even some developed countries that are relatively backward, but expect to benchmark against individual developed countries with the strongest national strength. Since the economic progress has not been well summarized, the development in the past has not been fully displayed for a long time, and the younger generation hopes to gain respect from all over the world, the official propaganda is more inclined to show the country's growing strength one side. This raises people's expectations. Many expectations have already surpassed the economy and entered the scope of social development and political governance capabilities. This also means that, whether for mid to high-end talents or ordinary people, how to respond to their rapidly growing all-round expectations has become a real problem. But the situation in the real world is that most developed countries only establish the current perfect social system after passing the Lewis turning point, Gu Xiaoming, 2015. In the period of demographic dividend, the problem of labor cost is not prominent, and the demands and expectations of the people are not high. With the advent of aging, the gradual increase in labor costs, coupled with the substantial increase in public expectations, the construction of social systems has reached a period of acceleration. These institutional constructions need to respond to the people's demands for economic development opportunities, stable expectations, educational equity, medical accessibility, and social justice but people do not seem to understand a problem. The construction of modern institutions has always been the product of consensus, neither asking from the bottom to the top, nor giving from the top to the bottom. 
the effectiveness of the system depends on the inner consensus that people generally follow, rather than external imposition. The formation of a consensus requires the in-depth participation of different stakeholders. Different from the simple social relationship when the economy is backward, when the economy develops vigorously, different interest groups will inevitably begin to form. The stakeholders of many social issues are not just the relationship between officials and the people, nor are they just regulation and enterprises, or the binary opposition of power and capital. For example, in the field of education and training, at least six stakeholders including public schools and their teachers, private schools and their teachers, education and training institutions and their teachers, funders of private schools and investors of education and training institutions, parents, and students, in the field of environmental protection at least six stakeholders including traditional industrial enterprises, environmental protection product enterprises, emerging environmental protection enterprises, their respective upstream and downstream industrial chains, and end consumers, in the field of internet platforms, at least including platform enterprises and platform enterprise investors there are six stakeholders, operators on the platform, other entities participating in the platform economy, traditional industries that have a competitive and alternative relationship with the platform, and end consumers. We have seen that in today's increasingly complex social and economic environment, as long as different stakeholders have different demands, there must be trade-offs. Officials choose to support one or several parties, so they must be opposing the other parties. No matter how the official decision is made, it is actually a trade-off, which will inevitably lead to some people's satisfaction and others' frustration. This is very different from the previous governance situation. In the initial stage of development, with economic construction as the basic consensus, many problems can be resolved. Therefore, officials can choose between clear expectations and realized expectations, and enterprises and the public can achieve sustainable development by waiting for adjustments from above. This creates both official initiative and folk passivity. Officials are always out of paternal care, thinking that I am doing this for your own good. Folks also agree with this kind of concern. The reality of decades of rapid economic development makes people believe that official decisions will eventually be correct. But the problem is that there is indeed a huge difference between today and the past. The emergence of different stakeholders has led to the fact that no matter how the official decision is made, at least in the short term, it is supporting some entities, while other entities will be full of complaints. For example, in the field of education and training, the 2016 policy supported the listing of education and training companies, which increased the burden on parents and students, and complained. The new policy for education and training in 2018 to 2020 cut off financing channels for the industrialization of education, and education and training companies and investors complained. In the field of environmental protection, the neglect of environmental protection in the initial development process and various pollution incidents have caused public complaints. After environmental protection treatment, companies and employees that have not yet transformed and have high environmental protection costs complain. In the field of internet platforms, the traditional industries that were affected when the subsidies were spent were full of complaints. After the subsidies ended, the operators on the platforms complained. The difficulty of consensus today lies in the emergence of different stakeholders after social and economic development. This is actually a manifestation of social progress. However, the past social governance methods and capabilities have not kept up with the pace. Officially, there is still a strong fatherly love mentality, hoping to make decisions for the people in some cases. As far as the people are concerned, there is still a strong mentality of seeking fatherly love, hoping that when one's own side is damaged, the government can come out to make decisions for the people. Therefore, 
Discussions and debates on many social events have become a matter of public opinion that it is first necessary to prove that other stakeholders are bad people and that they themselves are good people. In the end, policy choices look like helping the good guys beat the bad guys. However, the reality is not the case. Unless there are violations of laws and regulations, stakeholders in each field actually have their own rationale. Therefore, if the policy is understood as supporting one party and attacking the other party, there will inevitably be a consequence. After a short period of public opinion, the bad party will express its rationality and gradually gain the understanding of others. At this time, the authorities are very passive. The cruel reality is that the folk custom has always been the one who is milk is the mother, but after getting milk, they usually stop calling mother and even start to help those who have not received milk. Internet platform companies have benefited from loose and favorable policies, especially financial policies, in the past decade or so, which is difficult for most other industries to obtain. However, platform companies take this for granted and will continue to demonstrate their rationality, ignoring that other industries are actually in an unfair state. In all fairness, China's internet platform companies have had a great positive impact on the social economy, but there are obviously sufficient reasons for the various criticisms and policy adjustments that have emerged since then. This is a global change in understanding, not just in China. However, Policy adjustments can only be realized by seeking public opinion to turn first, because in the governance tradition formed in the past, it is always necessary to first explain that a new thing is good, and then give full support. This appears to be very passive in the policy adjustment, because the good becomes bad in the end. Policy adjustments often turn into policy reversals and self-denial. Choosing to support the decisions of other stakeholders will definitely affect the former beneficiaries, so the criticisms of the former beneficiaries spread again. With the help of China's unique ownership topic, public opinion again appeared sympathy and understanding. In fact, most people do not have a deep understanding of the problems and the reasons for policy shifts. The understanding of many major social and economic issues is obtained through very amateur self-media. Professionals disdain to disseminate professional knowledge to the public, and some experts in self-media will not clarify to the public who the stakeholders they represent are. The commentators all have a stalwart image of serving the country and the people which keeps public opinion in a long-term position. Low-level argument state. As a result, no matter what policy orientation is adopted, there will always be people criticizing it, and the voices are not small. Officials grew weary, due to the diversification of social groups caused by economic development. What used to be common expectations has become different expectations. Everyone agrees that we should benchmark against the most developed countries today, but this is only a very macro vision. When it comes to things related to oneself, the expectations must be different. The issue of goals and expectations is the primary issue facing China today, because it is related to consensus. Human society is built on the basis of stories and visions, and the basic consensus must have the depth and tension of interpretation. The key to understanding this issue is to understand that in an era of diverse stakeholders, the macro-strategic direction needs to represent everyone. This is a must-have pie but it is difficult for specific policies to represent all stakeholders. This cannot be changed by criticizing the government or calling for a few reforms, because this is the normal state of a modern country. In this era, for official decision-makers, it is necessary to realize that most of today's social and economic issues have different stakeholders, each with its own rationality, so enough listening can make decision-making more reasonable. In other words, you need to realize which side you are in a social and economic issue and what your own interests are. Only calm and active participation and expression can help make official decisions more beneficial to you in the long run. This actually puts forward high demands on everyone, 
which is the only way for modern society to mature. 2. Reform and austerity. If we can basically agree with the above analysis, then we can make a relatively objective evaluation of the reform policies in the economic field in the past few years, whether it is financial deleveraging, restraining real estate, strengthening environmental protection, or new education and training policies, platform anti-monopoly, there is no problem with the direction. Those who are bound by the New Deal are basically the beneficiaries of the past policies. In the past, the above-mentioned fields expanded at a high speed, which caused a lot of deep-seated social and economic problems. Based on the long-term judgment of industrial balance and social balance, the regulation of the above-mentioned expansion fields will of course result in the contraction of these fields. If we extend the period of time and look at it as a whole, the shrinkage of some industries is actually accompanied by the expansion of other industries. While internet platform companies are under supervision and their market value has dropped sharply, the electric vehicle industry chain has developed extremely rapidly, and the market value has increased at a speed similar to that of internet companies back then. The government attaches great importance to productive industries, especially manufacturing, and the decision to direct funds and manpower to manufacturing through policies is based on the judgment of populism in Europe and the United States, especially the United States, in the previous stage of globalization. This direction, there are not many people who doubt it. People's doubts are mainly in two aspects. One is that the policy formulation is not transparent enough, mainly investors, who think that they have not been given enough time to prepare. The other is that the specific operations during policy implementation are too strict, and the scale is increased layer by layer. The market believes that the above-mentioned reforms have been promoted simultaneously in the short term, and the epidemic situation has been superimposed, resulting in the effect of economic contraction. The official also has a calm understanding of this. At the China Economic Annual Conference held in December 2021, Han Wangshu, Deputy Director of the Central Finance Office, publicly stated that policies with contraction effects must be carefully introduced to prevent the occurrence of fallacy of synthesis and decomposition. Error. However, in the specific operations of localities and industries, it is still not uncommon to increase the number of layers. What is the reason behind this? Professor Joe Lian of Peking University has conducted in-depth research on the issue of overweighting local governments in China. In short, after China's reform and opening up, Government officials at all levels in different regions are in a state of political championship. In Zhang Wuchang's words, it is county competition. In the early stage of development, economic construction has the highest priority, and the KPI assessment of officials is relatively simple, which is to look at GDP growth. In this context, economic tasks are issued step by step. In order to be ahead of other competitors at the same level, various indicators issued by the superior will be overweighted and then issued to the subordinate. In the past years of research on China's development model, the explanations of political tournament and county competition are very tense. In other words, when criticizing intensification at every level today, it should be understood that the reason for China's rapid development in the past was intensification at every level. However, after the social development has entered a new stage, the emphasis on non-economic fields has become more and more important. People are more concerned about environmental issues, food and medical safety issues, education quality and equity issues, and social justice issues. These are not traditional official KPI assessment items, but economic construction is still the center, so from the perspective of local officials, it is normal to need both, GDP, and, other aspects. Since the above-mentioned reforms were not triggered by local people's appeals, but were based on long-term judgments and decisions by higher levels, they were still promoted in a way of assigning tasks. 
the inertia and methods of traditional governance will not change immediately. When the KPI indicators change, the layer-by-layer increase in the economic field will soon become the layer-by-layer increase in the regulatory field. This is an uncomfortable situation, because local regulators have to bear the heavy responsibility of economic development at the same time, but the tasks assigned by the regulatory line are specific. Judging from the official's judgment, it doesn't matter which side to take, or which side to give up. On some matters that feel very severe, I would rather aggravate them than relax. But these codes were eventually added to enterprises and the public. Regions with high-quality officials and strong governance capabilities will have a better balance in implementation, and will pay more attention to the opinions of enterprises and the public. This is determined by the overall atmosphere of early development and the level of social development. However, in areas where the quality of officials is low and governance capacity is weak, it will not only affect economic development, cause social conflicts, and may even lead to new power rent-seeking. Today, with the development of internet public opinion, Ordinary people's awareness of rights is getting stronger and stronger, and new problems are constantly being exposed on the internet, which has aroused more people's doubts. At present, these areas with many problems and relatively backward governance are actually in a state of being forced to develop. This state may last for a period of time, and it cannot be changed quickly by changing a few key officials. However, as people's awareness of rights continues to increase and the top-down monitoring system is improved, changes in all aspects will sooner or later. These new situations are new challenges for policymakers. Since the new reform tasks are very professional and contain the characteristics of economic contraction, the effectiveness of the implementation depends on the ability and quality of officials in different regions. Conversely, under the premise that the overall level of local officials is relatively given, whether the reform tasks and indicators should be given more consideration to the reality of implementation capabilities and the impact of the official evaluation indicator system has become a realistic issue before the decision-making level. Frankly speaking, this is very difficult. As long as you have some understanding of large-scale enterprise management, you will know how difficult it is to formulate KPIs. This is not just an official problem. As mentioned earlier, new socioeconomic issues always have different stakeholders. Whether different stakeholders can clearly express their interests and positions, and whether they can effectively point out the policies and incidental problems in the process of policy implementation will also affect the implementation level. Even if there is no problem with the professionalism and competence of the local executors, if the stakeholders affected by the policy dare not or cannot clearly express their views, then implementation deviations will still occur. Most of the time, especially for small and medium-sized enterprises and individuals, it is actually difficult to clarify one's own thinking and express it clearly. This is the reason why many subjects, knowing that many self-media lack professionalism when it comes to specific social and economic issues, still actively repost them, because at least these self-media have expressed opposition. As for whether the reasons for the opposition are reasonable, whether there are new suggestions put forward, everyone does not care. This makes many discussions that should be attributed to professionalism become hunting targets for internet traffic management. It has to be said that after the Lewis turning point, the improvement of the social system does not depend entirely on the self-awareness and expression of ordinary people. Because after entering this stage, most social problems become more and more complicated. Sufficient professional competence and judgment are required to deal with these issues. This cannot be completely relied on the official. At this stage, the official needs to be more of a mediating role, and needs to allow professional and representative debates between different stakeholders. During this process, different stakeholders can recognize each other's real appeals and concerns, and at the same time stand on the other's side to reflect and compromise, 
and form a consensus on the basis. In other words, it is inappropriate for the government to take the lead on relatively major social and economic issues. Even if there is a tendency after in-depth research in the early stage, it is still necessary for all parties to express their views openly, so that stakeholders can generate enough debate, and then guide reach a consensus and use it as the basis for decision-making. This process actually solves the so-called policy opacity problem. What I want to further express is that on many issues, it is not investors who really feel opaque, but other stakeholders. For example, a week before the promulgation of the new policy on education and training, a hedge fund approached me to discuss the possible orientation of the new policy. In fact, I didn't know that the new policy was about to be introduced. Investment institutions learn this information by inviting education experts to conduct paid internal discussions. Experts believe that the New Deal is old wine in new bottles, and investment institutions are worried about inaccurate information, so they approached me to confirm. I don't have any internal information, but I just restated my views since 2017, and especially mentioned that we should pay attention to the possible impact of the 7th National Census data that was just released at that time. The investment institution finally agreed with my judgment and chose to short. I cite the above example to illustrate two points. First, the information channels of investors are actually far superior to those of other stakeholders, and it is not investment institutions that really lack policy expectations. It is precisely because investors and large enterprises are biased in the formulation of policies, this is determined by the priority of economic development that the introduction of some policies was actually not understood by stakeholders in the early stage. In the short term, the rapid introduction of policies seems to be beneficial to investment. However, in the medium and long term, due to the excessive tendency of previous policies, many social problems will appear in the short term, which will trigger a strong rebound, increase the possibility of policy reversal, and increase investment risks. Today, the first mover countries are all in the process of economic transformation from prioritizing the interests of shareholders to balancing the interests of stakeholders, and China is no exception. Second, many experts have interest relationships with investment institutions, and these relationships must be clarified in debates involving public interests. Today, many academics in China, on the surface, use the banner of serving the country and the people, but in fact, they are earning consulting fees and project fees from investment institutions and large enterprises behind their backs. I don't think it is wrong for large companies and investment institutions to hire experts to consult on issues. This behavior is legal and reasonable. But if experts are making this money frequently, then their position is inevitably representing one side. I think it is reasonable for each stakeholder to have its own professionals involved in the policy debate, but the experts must clarify who they represent and, most importantly, Officials must understand who they represent. In the stage of Japan's post-war social system construction, academic groups with independent spirit played a very important role. Many scholars insisted that they did not represent the interests of large companies and chose to be the spokespersons of disadvantaged groups. This is worthy of serious consideration by the academic community in China today. Here I also want to tell readers of enterprises and institutions that if you want to communicate with me, you can just leave a message in the backstage of the official account. There is no need to find it through a third-party consulting platform. Insider information. I was found through the consulting platform before, and all the consulting fees were entrusted to the platform for public welfare donations. 3. Rule of law and participation. Through the retrospective analysis of the first two parts, readers may have a deeper thought on the issues of anticipation and sense of security, which are the most important issues in the minds of many entrepreneurs, investors and high-end talents today. The issue of the rule of law is what everyone is most concerned about. In the past half a month, 
I had in-depth discussions with some overseas Chinese on the process of legalization in mainland China. My two basic views are, 1. The rule of law is a process of dynamic development. 2. The rule of law is highly professional. From the end of the Qing dynasty to the beginning of the Republic of China, China began to transplant modern laws from overseas on a large scale. The rule of law process in mainland China resumed in the 1980s after a hiatus. The rule of law needs two basic prerequisites. One is to have a complete basic law, the other is to have sufficient legal talents. Under this premise, most social and economic affairs can operate on the track of law. The popularization of the concept of the rule of law is a slow social project that requires the efforts of more than two or three generations before it can be generally accepted. Effective constraints on power are slowly achieved in the process of legalization and cannot be achieved overnight. We have seen that crony capitalism in South America and Southeast Asia has the name of democracy and the rule of law, but it does not have the reality of democracy and the rule of law. The oligarchs even buy power openly. We must also not forget that in the 1970s, the United States was still experiencing the black civil rights movement. It is hard to imagine today that there were still so many people in the United States who did not have basic rights guaranteed 50 years ago. The rule of law in East Asian developed countries and regions starts with the professionalization and high quality of official groups. This is actually closely related to the population. Singapore has a permanent population of less than 5 million, Hong Kong has a population of 7 million, and Taiwan has a population of 24 million. Due to the small population, most officials were trained from world-renowned universities very early. Regardless of the level of government officials, the professional ability of affairs officials is very strong. There are 1.4 billion people in the mainland. Compared with the above-mentioned regions, it is equivalent to requiring that the section chiefs of the county governments in the central and western regions all graduate from Peking University and Tsinghua University. Is this realistic? Today, Officials in the county governments in the central and western regions are considered good if they can achieve an ordinary undergraduate degree or above. But we must also see that with the popularization of higher education and the overflow caused by excess academic qualifications, the initial level of officials at all levels in China is in a process of continuous improvement. If this process is faster, it may be more conducive to the acceleration of the rule of law. The important influence of official quality on the rule of law lies in the fact that officials with higher initial academic qualifications and stronger professional abilities are more likely to find solutions to various problems under the concept of the rule of law. On the other hand, legalization is not a unilateral matter. The rapid improvement of people's awareness of rights determines that their demands for the rule of law are increasing. The public voices reflected in various social events in the past two years have shown that the public's awareness of the rule of law and evidence is getting stronger. Although some unacceptable incidents can be seen on the internet, compared with the past, people today dare to stand up and even speak out in the form of real names, disclose various evidences, and even dare to clearly point to some officials. The response from the supervision mechanism shows that this localized power supervision mechanism has begun to operate effectively. People's expectations of the rule of law will obviously not stay at this stage, let alone compare with other developing countries. People expect higher benchmarking standards. The local rule of law process will indeed be constrained by the personnel structure, and the transformation of the personnel structure will indeed take enough time. If this process can be accelerated, it will benefit more in the future. At any time, the rule of law is inseparable from the extensive participation of the people, and it is not limited to some extreme social events. The more crucial role of the rule of law today is to become a sharp weapon to curb the increasing levels. Legislation and revision, 
and policy formation and adjustment are all within the scope of the rule of law in a broad sense, and are more closely related to the various stakeholders behind every social issue. 4. Choice and the future. If the expectations and emotions for China's development in the past 10 years were not too high, then the sense of loss today should not be so great. As I mentioned in my official account a few years ago, those who support my views may not really understand what I want to express, and those who oppose my views may not be unreasonable. It seems that for many people today, it is time to choose again. Recently, some friends talked with me about immigration issues. The choice of an individual still depends on his own situation, and the opinions of others are actually not important. But this is a relatively hot topic at present, and I will also talk about my views. 1. From my understanding, the real wealthy class does not need to consider this issue, because those who need to have an overseas identity already have it, and the main consideration is wealth planning. Many people do not live overseas for a long time. There are two reasons, one is that the main industry is in China, the other is that they are more accustomed to local life. 2. At present, most of the people considering immigration are middle class, at most the upper middle class. The usual characteristic of this class is that they have some understanding of overseas, but they don't really know much about it. I suggest that this class considers individuals who immigrate, and do more comprehensive understanding with overseas countries, and less wishful thinking, which is more conducive to making long-term judgments for themselves. My basic understanding of immigration is that it is a good thing rather than a bad thing for China to send more immigrants overseas, especially high-quality immigrants to the first developing countries. From the perspective of the history of globalization after the Industrial Revolution in England, the spread of civilization must be premised on the global flow of people. Therefore, we must maintain an open attitude towards cross-border movement of population. Conversely, if you want to attract high-quality talents, you must meet their expectations of the social environment. This is the process by which global competition forces progress. In fact, the younger generation can no longer understand and accept that overseas countries criticize their home country from the perspective of 20 or 30 years ago. In fact, the knowledge cost of overseas criticism of China today is very high. Without sufficient knowledge background and understanding of China's reality, it is easy to mistake individual problems for 1.4 billion people's common problems just by obtaining information from the internet. The younger generation can easily recognize doubts about China with tinted glasses online. This is determined by the reality of the economic base and social development, as well as the diffusion of knowledge. But it is still very necessary to reflect on many practical problems in China. What people care about is not criticism itself, but their own living conditions. So today we have entered such a stage. Once overseas criticism may be easy for Chinese to accept, but gradually I feel biased, and it seems that my own problems cannot be answered by other people's analysis. In the end, people began to consciously and actively understand the world, and began to actively participate in improvement. Finally, I would like to summarize some basic understandings of China's development stages. 1. China's economic construction and opening to the outside world are obviously irreversible. 2. Global competition will force China to attach great importance to high-end talents and overseas exchanges for a long time, which in turn determines that social development is difficult to stagnate. 3. From the perspective of civilization history, the speed of technological progress and economic development will always be much faster than other aspects of social development. 4. Higher development goals and expectations will cause people to have a sense of loss in stages. This requires psychological adjustment by all parties to understand that social development and system construction require sufficient time. At the same time, through the active participation of all parties, try to shorten some time. 
5. The construction of the rule of law and other social systems is a professional process of joint participation, not asking from the bottom to the top, nor giving from the top to the bottom. 6. Whether it is the government or the private sector, it is necessary to establish a stakeholder thinking. The dualistic thinking of government and people, state-owned and private, and power and capital can no longer effectively explain today's social and economic reality. 7. For major but widely controversial social and economic issues, the traditional hearing system can no longer effectively meet the needs of the Internet age. Officials can start to try to establish an open and professional debate mechanism for different stakeholders, which will make decision-making more transparent in science. Of course, participation by professionals in debates on social issues should clarify whether or not a particular side is represented.